Hi, I'm Andre, and welcome back to the Let's Go to the Movies podcast. This week, it's quite obvious that I am doing it alone. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are too, too kind. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I'm doing this episode alone, and it's actually perfect because it's actually talking about a movie theater experience that I had just recently. In fact, it's the first time that I've gone to the movie theater since COVID started back in March of 2020. So since then, I've not stepped foot near or inside of a movie theater, and I just did yesterday. So yesterday being, I guess that was the 12th of August. This probably should be going up on the 14th. But yeah, the 12th of August, that was my first time back in the movie theater. And I must say, it was it was amazing. It was the best experience I've had seeing a movie in so long mostly because of the movie itself but so i guess i should probably tell you what movie this is uh yeah that would that, that would make sense you know i probably should tell you guys what movie i went to see so um essentially the movie i went to go see why did i why why did i put that sound effect there um i don't know why i did that uh I'm going to stop doing that. That was really stupid. Anyways, <laughs> so the movie that I went to go see was The Green Knight. Oh, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> that is Okay, that's actually really funny. I didn't mean to. All right. The movie I went to go see was The Green Knight. There you go. That's the sound effect I meant to hit. Anyways, um, yeah, and... This is the new movie from A24. And so A24 for those that you don't for those of you that don't know, um first of all, how do you not know if you're listening to this podcast? I don't know, but A24, you know, they they made Midsummer, they made The Witch, they made Uncut Gems, The Florida Project, a ton of movies, and they're I think the newest one that's going to come out from them is Lamb, maybe by the end of the year. I could be wrong with that. But the Green Knight is their latest, is their latest huge, huge project, and it stars Dev Patel, and was directed by David Lowry, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Lowry, Lowry, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure, but it was, it's this. For those of you who've never seen the movie yet, and honestly, you really should. I would recommend seeing it in theaters if you can. I was able to see it on the last day at the small local theater that is in my town. So that was really cool. I, I, we were able to go back to the local place and support it, but that's that's a completely different topic. But, you know, support your small local movie theaters, you know, because they don't have all the money that, I don't know, Cineplex in Canada does or AMC does in the States. I'm, I'm not sure other companies that are movie theaters, so um, I'm going to stop listing them off now. Anyway, um, The Green Knight, it's this insane medieval fairy tale type film and it's an adaptation actually of a real story like a real story from i guess it must have been middle england middle from like whoa hold on from middle english literature or old english literature that is an anonymous story and at the beginning of the movie they say that it's an adaptation of what's called a chivalric romance but looking online they just say that it's an adaptation of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. So, or sorry, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. So that 
is probably accurate. One or the other, it doesn't matter. It's an adaptation of a story from Arthurian legend, and that's what's really cool. So it's essentially King Arthur's nephew, Sir Gawain, who challenges this creature called the Green Knight and has to go on this huge quest to, I guess, meet his fate. I don't want to spoil anything about this, you know, because it's, it's an amazing movie. And what's really cool is people were talking about it way before I actually got a chance to see it. So, I mean, obviously because I saw it yesterday. So I, people clearly were talking about it before I saw it yesterday. It's been out for almost a month. But anyway, so they were saying that this is the best movie of 2021 so far. And I kept on seeing people that I know and other people who, like professional critics, that's the word, oh my God, um, giving it five stars or just super, super high ratings. And I'll be honest, the, this is the first time that, I had no reaction when I left a theater. Like, I was literally speechless. And it was just amazing. I didn't speak until I got to the car, and I just was blown away the whole way through. It's such an interesting film visually. It's so, so cool. Like, there's special effects used in a way that I haven't seen done in a very, very long time. Because, I mean, there's special effects that are in, like, the Marvel category of things or the Star Wars category of things. But the way that it's used in The Green Knight, it's just overwhelming, if that makes sense. Like, it just feels... I don't know. There's, like, the name of the phobia of the fear of giant things or or of enormous objects. You kind of get somewhat that feeling... I don't, I don't know what the name of the phobia is, but it's like you kind of get this overwhelming sense of not dread, but just like feeling super small when you're watching certain sequences of this movie just because of how it's shot and everything like that. It's just so, so cool. And I mean, I can definitely see there's definitely going to be probably film bros or something like that shitting on this movie or ragging on it because it's like not doesn't fit a certain type that they like and like i said many times before this podcast i'm not trying to create a pretentious community like jesus and i every time we had guests on in the past we were trying to be super open-minded and i hope it's come off that way because like we don't want to be seen as people that shame movies or judge them without reason you know because unjust criticism is really what kind of forms a toxic community especially in any type of arts topic if it's music if it's um oh my god what's the word oh my god fine arts yeah there you go if it's music if it's fine arts if it's film if it's anything as soon as unjust criticism comes by it just creates a super unhealthy way to look at things and so that's what you know we're just trying to avoid that you know so like hey you know I'm the first to say it. Nobody's ever said this before. Hey, be nice. Other people can have opinions on art because it's subjective. So, there you go. So, personally, in my own opinion, if you don't agree with it, hey, that's okay. There's no need to worry. You can still appreciate my take. Or you can completely disagree to it if you want. But... I loved this movie, okay? This was the best movie that I've seen in 2021. I fully agree with those articles. And honestly, it's... I couldn't have picked a better choice 
to go back to the movies to see. Like, I could have gone to see, I think weeks ago, I was about to go see the movie Old from M. Night Shyamalan, and that was going to be my first movie back in theaters since the pandemic started. I'm very grateful that that wasn't the case because I've heard how polarizing it is. People either hate that movie or enjoy it quite a lot, and I didn't want to put that much risk in my in kind of tainting my first experience back in the movie theater. So seeing The Green Knight, literally, wow. There was nine people in that movie theater, and it was just perfect. It was me. Um, my, I convinced my parents wanted to go see a movie, and so I was like, hey, come with me. I'm going to go see The Green Knight. They're like, okay, sounds good. So my parents were with me. There were two people. Okay, first of all, six of the people, so th- six of the people, including me and my parents, they all sat in the same row, in the same row. Like, why? There was this older woman who came in, and she sat in the same row, like, on the opposite end. And we're like, okay, cool, yeah, that's fine. That's still distant. And then two guys just came in, like, at the beginning of the movie, and they just sat right in the middle, right, like, only a few seats away from us. And we're like, hey, dude, there's nine people in this theater. You could go anywhere you want. And it's still a pandemic. Why did you have to sit so close to us? That's that's a completely different topic. That's not about the movie. I'm going to talk about the movie now. But it was literally the best experience I've had in a theater. And so I'm so grateful that this was my kind of my personal return to the movie theaters. And so it was just great. Um, so to go into it a little bit more, I want to talk about the performances themselves. So it's that was really what kind of was super interesting to me I'd say or what really kind of made me want to talk about it other than just the visuals and everything like that the performances themselves it stars Dev Patel as Sir Gawain and honestly Dev Patel is a powerhouse in this movie like he really just nailed his role I've never seen him in many other projects really I mean I know that he was in the last airbender years ago and he hated that but i never saw i never I, I never saw that i've seen when he was in like the best exotic marigold hotel movies i know he was in chappie but i haven't seen lion for example i haven't seen slumdog millionaire yet so i know how great of an actor he is but i just this is my first really big experience of seeing his work and oh my god he was just phenomenal you really get to see this character who was wanting who's just searching for honor when he hasn't gotten the chance to do it yet and it really does feel kind of like oh he's just he's just kind of a he's a kid because he's kind of treated somewhat as like the young buck of the knights of the round table he's not even a knight yet at the beginning of the movie or in general yeah, no, he's not a knight. Um, not spoiling anything. Sorry. Um, but yeah, he's just so amazing in this role. He, I read somewhere that David Lowry wasn't too sure who to cast, but the second that he saw Dev Patel come into audition, it, it was without a doubt that like it had to be him. I th- at least I think it was either the director or somebody else that said that. But I read somewhere that the second that he started his audition or the second that the role was more described in detail, they knew it was going to be him the whole time, and so that was really cool. I could be wrong. Don't call me out on that. Hey, okay. Maybe I misread something a couple weeks ago. Who knows? But 
his whole performance because the movie is for the most part just kind of him traveling you know and he has a few interactions here and there with people but it's really when he's kind of alone or forced to deal kind of with the reality of what he's going to be going through it's really interesting because the whole there's this whole thing with his character that as soon as he does this initial action in the beginning of the movie at least uh, as it's in the audience i kind of immediately i am whoa i can't speak i immediately knew what was going to happen at the end or i was able to assume what his whole journey was going to lead up to but it feels like his role was kind of made in the way that his character didn't know what his fate was going to be and it wasn't until he gets to the final destination where he has to face the green knight a second time where we get to s- where he i think he realizes it and that was just phenomenal it was so so interesting cuz he's such a hardened character like he just wants to endlessly get to this next stage in his journey it it was just insane and you can see his whole kind of motive is tainted throughout and he kind of is it's selfish it's a it's a selfish act that he's trying to do because he just wants honor he wants the title to be a knight he wants the title of a knight sorry and he is just searching endlessly for this validation and that's what's really interesting because we get to see the change in his character just towards the end really of realizing how bad that decision is to have a self-centered motive when you're going towards what could end up leading to your death and so that's really interesting there i keep seeing the word interesting i don't know why but yeah death patel honestly he deserves so much acclaim for this role it's just amazing and other actors alicia vikander was also very very interesting as a character in this i kind of wish we got to see a little bit more for her role i mean i know she was kind of used as the love interest in this story and it seems as though she was a prostitute and is kind of tossed to the side at some point try not to reveal too many details here but she has a very kind of it's a very sad role because we can see how much she cares for for Dev Patel's character for Sir Gawain and it's not necessarily reciprocated and we get to see kind of that pain through her character and it's subtle at first but then towards the very end that's when it's really intense and so it's also a very great performance from her part um I'll just move th- I'm just moving through the cast list honestly and just commenting on what I thought of a lot of people's roles I had no idea that Joel Edgerton was in this movie and I honestly I honestly have to rewatch the movie to understand his character in a more complete way cuz his role kind of felt naive or maybe it was deliberately that way like maybe his character was trying to make himself seem naive when he in fact was aware of all the stuff that was going on with his surroundings but he was just he was this lord that kind of took Sir Gawain into his home to rest up before his final confrontation with the Green Knight and it was really interesting cuz I've never seen I've always seen Joel Edgerton do kind of these super intense roles where he's either hyper aggressive or he is some type of oppressive character like I've always kind of seen him in the more villain 
space as an actor. So seeing him in the space where he's almost kind of like a saving grace and too nice of a person for the scenario was kind of refreshing to see him do that. I mean, I just have to see more of his roles, honestly, to get a better grasp on it. But without a doubt, it was still really cool. And Barry Keegan, or Coffin? Okay, Barry, K-E-O-G-H-A-N. I don't know how to pronounce that. Keegan? Whatever. Um, It's Okay, so this is the young actor who played the boy in The Killing of the Sacred Deer. So immediately I kept on seeing tweets about this movie and it showed him in it and it said, anytime this kid's in a movie, you know he's going to do something fucked up. And oh, yeah. Oh, it's true. He plays this like scavenger character who is essentially just there to loot and steal from different burnt up villages and stuff like that, villages that just underwent attack. And it's so discomforting like just the way that he can pull it off it's it's wild but kind of grateful that we don't see more of him because the character just really creeped me out the whole time i was kind of like wincing every time he was on screen just because it just kind of felt really kind of icky you know it just but i mean he did his job that was the whole point of that character um i just got to keep going through the list here uh there's so many I just got to okay, I'm just going to stop going through the cast list. Everybody just did a phenomenal role. Sean Harris as King Arthur, amazing. Kate Dickey as the Queen, fantastic. Sarita Chu- oh, There's another name I can't pronounce. Sarita Chudhury? Ch- I'm sorry. I don't I'm not going to I'm not going to try. <laughs> I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But whoever played Gawain's mother, whoa. That was also an intense role too. It was really cool. Um I don't think she, I don't think she said many. I think she had maybe like five lines in the whole movie, and then it was just a super silent role. But regardless, it was so cool how they had the sequences put together. And Aaron Kellyman also played kind of this ghostly figure who was equally just astounding through the whole thing. Um, so yes, that is the cast, and I don't know why I spent so much time on that. Um, but it was just so beautiful. The whole movie is essentially split up into what I would say is chapters because it, well, it's a, it's a film adaptation of an actual story. So I would assume that the story that they based it on had chapters itself because I mean, old English texts or texts from like old English literature are like so interesting i've like had a few in university classes we've read over a couple of them and it's such a different type of writing because it's well it's a completely different language essentially it's old english and it's so cool to see how they value heroicism heroics hero what it's okay it's insane how they value the hero or uh, honor and bravery and courage and it's but it, they also amplify uh, grief nostalgia exile and those themes are kind of always there it's very elegiac um this one well the green knight is not elegiac at all it's not an elegy but it's really cool to see how they adapted this story i knew people who st- studied that story in different classes at my university 
and it was kind of cool. I was talking to them about it, and they were like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about this. I'm definitely going to see the movie because I read this in class, and I already had to write essays on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, please go see it. It's really cool, um, which is interesting because I didn't know that it was an adaptation until the movie started, and that's what it opens on. It says uh, a film adapt. what does it say? It says a film adaptation of the chivalric romance by anonymous because nobody knows who wrote the story. That's why it says anonymous. Wow. So I want, yeah, wow. Self-explanatory there. So they have the movie split up into these chapters and it's so interesting because it doesn't feel like, I mean, many scenes in movies, you can tell it's like, oh, this is a new scene. Like it's cut directly there. And this one Every time it kind of changed chapters, there was a few moments where it was like, okay, yeah, and now we're in a completely different setting. Now this is this next part of the story, if it, like, skipped in time and stuff like that. But there were so many moments where a new chapter came up, and it just felt like the story just flowed perfectly. And I really appreciated that. It's, I mean, it's one thing if you want to do kind of a non-linear storytelling type deal where you kind of have these separate moments placed here here and there and you just kind of have these huge gaps in the story where you don't get to see certain things that's fine but the way that they did it for the green knight it's like oh we almost see every section of gawain's journey there's some things where like characters disappear and then we see traces of kind of what happened to them later but because it's not gawain we don't get to see that story and we have to kind of come up with it ourselves and that was super satisfying as well it was really interesting and there's wait a minute oh now that i said that i think i just understood a particular scene in the movie oh that's crazy oh wait actually no i'm an idiot i just thought a certain character killed another character but it was seen off screen i'm stupid as hell that doesn't make any sense i'm gonna cut that out i don't want to sound dumb um anyways it's it's really interesting because they have it starts off with the section called the Christmas game, and we get to see how Gawain's character is initially, and he's kind of this greedy. I would say kind of an embodiment of sloth, or of of the of like the seven deadly sins, like of sloth, because he just doesn't do anything, but he also wants to get that honor of being a knight and everything like that. So it's kind of up in the air about how his character should be treated by the audience because, I mean, he's the protagonist, but we don't have anything to really make us like him, you know, because he wakes up in a brothel. He's he's just kind of lazing about. He doesn't want to do anything. He kind of looks like a piece of shit, honestly. And then... He gets home, he just straight up lies to his mother saying he was at mass all night when he was at a brothel, and then he just doesn't do much, and then all of a sudden he gets this huge quest, and it's a little weird looking back at it, but it's cool because we get to see how this kind of lazy mind, not, well, initial, what I believed was initially lazy mind still strive for all of this pride and glory and greed even though we don't really see a reason for him to receive that because he never put in the effort really he kind of just 
when nobody else wanted to do something, he was like, I'll do it. And then he got the rest of this quest on him. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. I don't really know what that point was that I was making. I stopped talking for a minute and I forgot. So I'm going to just move on. But um, yeah, so the the whole way that the story structured kind of exemplifies how Sir Gawain's kind of fears are going to be embodied towards the end of the movie like how they're going to physically manifest and stuff like that and i mean it's very typical of a24 their movies are always quite thought-provoking and they're not they're not movies that you can just shut your brain off you know it's not like uh i don't want to insult any movies right now oh geez i mean you know what i mean like it's not like uh one of those run-of-the-mill action movies where you can just turn your brain off you know all the plot points because it's been done hundreds of thousands of times. Or one of those comedy movies where you know kind of where all the story beats, the emotional beats are going to be because it's every comedy movie has the same thing. It's not like that. This is very much uh, a movie that makes you enthralled in the story from the get-go. And even if you go in exhausted, you will you will be so intrigued by it. Like, there's without a doubt a movie that will pull you in right from the beginning and will keep you there on the edge of your seat as the story progresses. There's for, there's something in it for everybody, honestly, I would say. There's some bits of romance. There is... Oh, this is going to sound like a weird pitch. I don't know. There's <laughs> there's some bits of romance. There's some interesting action sequence there, sequences. Sorry, There's high tension in various degrees... On second thought, there's actually very little action. I take that back. But, you know, there's there's romance in the f- in the movie if you prefer, like, a romance plot in your drama. the There's super high tension moments if you prefer that in your drama. Because this is very much a drama. This is not, like, a, a fantasy film. I mean, it's set in a fantasy world, and it's it, ha- it deals with fantastical things. But at its core, it's more so a drama dealing with i mean i said dealing with greed earlier or but i would say kind of dealing with the feeling of validation and requiring that and knowing when selflessness needs to be carried out rather than selfishness so that's kind of what i took from it and it's so it perfectly does that and so it's something that i think anybody can take away from and for people who don't care about plot don't care about story beats, don't care about anything emotional for a movie, and they just want to see it because, you know, it's visual entertainment and they want to be visually entertained, then this is also a movie for you because, oh my god, the visuals in this movie are just breathtaking. It's amazing. I, I'd say the last time that I saw something that kind of took my breath away visually was probably interstellar in terms of just how they were able to how christopher nolan was able to utilize whoa how christopher nolan was able to utilize that's the word um effects and cinematography and everything like that i mean it wasn't him but whoever was in charge of that that was kind of the last time that i got that same sensation of just being blown away by the visuals of a movie and this was just insane. Like, I have no idea 
how I've not seen something that's done CGI in this particular way or that used the camera in this particular way in so long. I mean, I'm sure that movies have done things like this in the like recently. There's so many cuts in this episode just because I keep fumbling my words. So, sorry about that. But also, you know, who gives a shit? Because I'm editing this. I don't want to look stupid. So, there you go. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so the visuals are just insane. There's this one moment that there is kind of these giants bigger than the Green Knight. I, I, I don't know if the Green Knight's actually a giant. I, I kind of said that he... That it that he was, but I, I'm not really sure. But there's like these actual giants that appear. I'm not gonna say what their importance to the plot is, but there's giants that appear at one point. And oh my god, there's the shot where we first see them. That was the, one of the that was one of the b- most beautiful shots I've seen I saw in the movie, and it was kind of annoying because like I turned right as it was happening. I was like w- in shock. I turned and I see. I think my, both of my parents were looking away at that moment. I was like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, I'm saying, hey, we should go see this movie. I only have a little bit of time left to spend with you guys here before I go back to university. I want to sh- share this moment with you. And you're looking away at one of the coolest shots in the whole movie. What is going on? But um, that's a completely different issue. Um, and I'll have to talk to them about the disrespect. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm sorry, Mom. If you're listening, I'm so sorry. Please don't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> but it's this beautiful shot of, it feels very Lord of the Rings-esque, where you see kind of this giant's hand reach around a mountain as it's trying to walk through like this valley pass. And it's all shrouded in fog. And that's how we see these giants the whole time, which is great. I have I guess I could kind of see Blade Runner 2049 doing similar things. I haven't seen Blade Runner 2049, though. Um, so don't rag on me in the comments about that. Or if I know you personally, don't you dare send me mean messages because I haven't seen Blade Runner 2049. I love Denis Villeneuve as a director and because he's a Canadian fella like myself. But, you know, don't judge me, okay? I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it soon. But I can... So that was a weird tangent. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> but the visuals in The Green Knight, in particular moments, I can see kind of reflected in the efforts of... Blade Runner 2049 because it's like there's a lot of scenes that I've seen in clips from that movie where it's like shrouded in that kind of red dust or like the looks like kind of like a dust storm or a sandstorm or something like that we kind of get similar vibes with the fog so instead of like the the yellow green no instead of the yellow red lights it's like just pure white because of the fog in like this valley in the mountains and we see these giants in there and it's just phenomenal because we get to see I mean, the way that it's introduced, it's like that feeling that I explained earlier, like that kind of is like the, the word that means phobia of extremely large things. I still don't know what that word is. I'm probably going to, I'm going to look it up actually. Give me a sec. Oh, okay. So the word is megalophobia. So it kind of like gives that feeling. I don't necessarily have megalophobia. At least I don't think so. I haven't been around something that would cause it. So I might have it. I'm not too sure. Um, Because I'm a scared little bitch uh, for a lot of the... What the fuck? Dude, there was... Oh, shit. I'm so sorry. There was a a piece of dust that flew behind me. 
and I saw it in the monitor, and it looked like some weird goddamn thing was flying behind me. That's that scared me so bad. All right, um, we're good. There's no, there's nothing paranormal happening in here. What? Okay. So, <laughs> oh my god, I'm going way off track. The scene with um these giants and the introductory shot, and how we see Sir Gawain's kind of initial reaction to it really kind of gives off the vibe of forcing megalophobia onto us you know it's just overwhelmingly huge and like it just makes the viewer feel so small and it was an outstanding shot and there's a moment that's maybe two minutes after that which i mean i did say that the one with the giants was the best shot in the movie but the one that's just a few minutes after that is equally as amazing and this to rec- if I want to recommend this movie to people that love th- the visuals of films, I'm going to just describe this scene to them in particular because it's so great. So it's a moment when he's Sir Gawain is following these giants, and it's kind of like this, I guess, desert rock face. Like, you know, in movies when they're in, like, and in real life, I guess, because they film this in a real location. But it's kind of like maybe the top of a plateau or something like that where it's... It looks like it's just rock, but it's all cracked and dry. It kind of looks like it's a desert, but also not. I don't. Does that make sense? I I don't know. Nobody can really respond to me in the moment because I'm gonna be because this is not live in any way. Whatever. Um. So he's kind of walking on this with the fox. This fox that kind of has followed him around the whole movie. Also, really cool that they had a fox. The the use of that fox in the in the story I think is really interesting. I really liked it. Um. I'm not going to spoil what that means. If you haven't seen the movie, whoop-de-doo, you don't get to understand what I'm talking about. Who cares? Um, so <laughs> Sir Gawain and the fox is walking um, on this, like, shattered rock face or whatever, uh, deserty type landscape, and we can see all the giants in the background as they're walking into this fog, and the camera just starts to do... But I, I was thinking that it was going to move into a Dutch angle. Like, you know, when it's like this. Sorry if you're listening on Spotify. You can't tell what I'm doing. I'm just shifting myself diagonally. Like what uh, Spike Lee. Nope. Yep. Spike Lee. What Spike Lee does in a lot of his movies where it's just angled kind of d- diagonally. It's called a Dutch angle. Don't know why I'm explaining this. If you're watching this, you would probably know that. Whatever. Um, they... I'm a film student. I should be. Nu- I should be just using the film terms. I don't want to. I'm not going to use the film language because I don't have to. Okay, my brain can't process it this fast. I'm talking on the spot. I'm not. I haven't prepared a single thing for this episode. I'm just talking. Okay. Um. So it, it looked like it was moving into a Dutch angle, and it was starting to do that. And I was like, oh, this is an interesting shift for this setting because it's so flat there's no mountains it's just this plateaued type region that you just it just looks like flatlands everywhere it's insane and it starts to shift and then it just keeps going it goes past what the dunch angle would be and then it flips the whole frame upside down and so suddenly well i guess frame wise uh, Sir Gawain is walking in the upper third. Is that right? 
I think so. I think, he, yeah, he's walking in the upper third while the lower two thirds are like this sky. But once it flips over, once it flips around, the giants disappear. And it's so subtle because we see them kind of walking through the fog. You can still very clearly see them, but as soon as it kind of, I just hit the mic, I'm so sorry. As soon as it kind of reaches that 180 degree axis, or no, sorry, the 90 degree axis, it starts to fade away. Like the giants start to fade away and then there's nothing but like clear sky when it gets to the full flip around. Whoa, oh my God. That shot in particular really kind of like made was so overwhelming for me. I kind of felt like I had to take a step back and just kind of absorb it, but the movie just kept going, so I didn't have a chance to. But there's so many moments like that where it's just the specific framing of something. I mean, th- they do this. This happens in so many movies. Like you could say this happened in Inception when the the whole city kind of flipped upside down. But whatever. This was kind of done differently, and. This is a new experience, so I'm not quantifying it. Connect. I'm not quantifying it against another movie because who cares? Um, but there's so many moments like that where I don't know. It could be a, just a super super high angled shot of like a castle or a particular doorway that Sir Gawain or other characters are going through that just feels makes you feel so small, and that's kind of like the whole point. It's at least in my mind, it's meant to show like, oh, yeah, Sir Gawain might be going on this insane quest to do this great, great thing, but he's still just one of the other guys. He's just one of the people that have gone, he's just one of the other folks that have gone on a journey like that. Because at the beginning of the movie, he's looking around at all the Knights of the Round Table, and he's like, oh, I see a bunch of legends that have all their own type of stories. And then the Queen's like, oh, well, you'll have your own someday something along those lines and he's like oh okay and then that kind of domino effect his journey starts and then the whole scenario of the movie continues but it kind of feels like oh none of it is important you know it just made it made me as the viewer feel so small like oh why why is it making why is it making me feel like this is it is the movie trying to tell me that this whole story is it's the whole story is either bigger than me or it's like smaller than me because it's just one of hundreds of tales of a night, you know? It's it's so interesting. At least the way that I perceived it was it was just meant to say, Oh yeah, you know, Sir Gawain is just like a small little speck in all of the Arthurian legends, or like he's his story is just one amongst many that have happened. And so that what kind that's what kind of uh that could also be what kind of triggers his selflessness at the end of the story or his his willingness to deny his honor and to avoid greed and to avoid pride you know well no not pride he was still kind of he was proud but not in a bad way but he avoided greed at least he like avoided getting being an honored person in a negative way. And I don't know if that makes any sense. You know, I don't know what I'm talking. I don't know if that, if that sentence means anything. What, what, what was I talking about? Um, I'm going to try to rephrase that. I mean, we get to, we get to see Sir Gawain at the end of the movie. He denies his greed. He denies his eagerness 
to be honored. And in doing so, it is kind of selfless, I guess, and it is even more deserving of honor. And that's kind of how the story concludes in my eyes. It's, oh yeah, he went through this whole experience and because he made the final decision that he made, which I won't say because I don't want to spoil it, um, because he made this final decision, his honor is now worthy because it is done in a completely pure or kind of just desserts type way where he's saying, okay, yeah, I deserve what's going to happen to me. I'm going to let it happen. I'm not going to try to test the fates. I'm not going to try to change my own destiny. I'm going to accept what's happening to me. And that is what gives him his honor. And that's just so cool. And it's a really good message, I would say. I mean, if this movie even has a message, I, it, I would argue it being that um, having greed as a motive or having the like self-gain as a motive for a journey or for a task that you have will ultimately lead for that the success of that task to never come or it will ultimately lead to failure and that's that's kind of a good message you know like it's cool it's it's valid it's also untrue in many cases because a lot of greedy people do succeed and get great things but you know, it's it's good to try to push a narrative where greed leads to failure, or well, it le it would le greed leads to failure in an internal way, maybe not an external way, and that's what it was trying to show. It was like, oh yeah, even if Sir Gawain succeeded and had all these great things c come to him after fulfilling this quest, is it really fulfilling? Is it really worth? the pain and worth what happened to him and worth going through all that, you know? Yeah, this is this is a very short episode. Um, I hope that at least some of you took something away from it. I hope, you know, I just wanted to discuss this movie that I saw. It's my first time back in the movie theaters, and it was I was blown away. It Honestly, after another rewatch, if I can get to see it again, hopefully in theaters again, I, it could honestly get to be one of my favorite movies of all time because it was just amazingly, it was just amazingly put together. Like every aspect, the music too. I didn't even get to talk about the music. It was very traditional, almost Celtic type music. It was, um, it was just beautiful. A lot of choral, choral choir, choral. Is choral the right word? I don't know, like there was a lot of like choirs used in it just as these, this kind of like wordless singing that was just beautiful to hear as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening if you listened this far in, you know. It's a little bit more difficult doing it without talking with somebody, but you know, I tried my best and you know, that's what we're here for, just talking about a movie, talking about something that that it interests whoever's talking. So if it didn't interest you, why are you listening this far? If you if it did interest you, hey, that's pretty cool, you know? So if you uh, really want to, 
it would be very appreciated if you like follow us on Spotify, give us a like. I think you can do that on Spotify. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Or if you're f- watching on YouTube and you're seeing my face right now, hello. Um, f- uh, subscribe to our channel. You know we have a, a new episode every week. Hopefully, we've s- I only had to skip two weeks now. This is episode twenty. Um, wow, episode twenty. That's crazy. Um, and uh, get like the like this episode if you want. If you're on YouTube, um, or don't do what you want. As long as you don't hit the dislike button, then I'm fine. Cause I will be sad i will cry and it's your fault if you hit the dislike button okay that was that was a weird moment um so anyway uh yeah i gotta i gotta go um i'm gonna be meeting with some friends Uh, we got plans um you don't know them yeah you don't they go to they go to a different school um yeah, and I don't think you've met them before, but they're really cool. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Um, okay, bye. Bye.